HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. Upon graduating from university, Rachel Kitson built a career as a regulatory authority and leader in the dietary supplement industry. She has traveled the world auditing over 85 facilities, ensuring only the highest quality raw materials were being sourced. Upon reaching the height of her career, Rachel was able to serve on the executive leadership team as the director of quality and regulatory affairs for the last eight years, overseeing 45 employees and managing a multi-million dollar internal innovation testing laboratory. Throughout her 25-year career, she gained a desire for an entrepreneurial venture and stepped away from her corporate career in 2022. Rachel and her husband, Jason Taggetts, found Rumble Boxing, and after trying this boxing-inspired workout for the first time, they were hooked. They are planning to open the first Rumble Boxing Studio in Wisconsin later this summer. Rachel is a wife, mother, sister, and daughter to an amazing supportive family that has been by her side during her transition from the corporate world to small business ownership. She couldn't do this without them and the incredible outpouring of support from the small business community. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have this conversation. It is uh, such a pleasure, Leanne, to be invited to be on your podcast today. And I'm excited to talk about um, HR and ex- our experiences with it. Excellent. Why don't you start out by you know telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I was born and raised in North Dakota, the Southwest corner, and um, my family moved to Wisconsin when I was a freshman. So I am more of a Wisconsinite than a North Dakota person. Uh, I went to Kettle Moraine High School, absolutely love the school district. And actually my son, who is 16, goes to the same school that I did, which is um, very, very exciting. Um, Other than that, I graduated um, from college with a, a biology and a chemistry degree moved into the world of laboratory, um, doing testing on uh, different varieties of foods, creating their nutritional labels. So Susie's cheesecakes, I'd figure out how much fat and fiber was in there. And so we would make sure that was on the label accurately for the consumers. I also had the opportunity um, to work in the thermal processing and canning industry. And in making Wolfgang Puck soups and Amy's organic soup and Del Monte corn. Um, 
So just a really interesting adventure for five years in that area before I stepped foot into the dietary supplement um, industry. And in my 16, 17 years, um, just the, the last few years here in corporate, I worked for a company right in Palmyra, Standard Process, for eight and a half years and had the opportunity to travel the world, um, auditing different facilities, um, making sure that there were high quality ingredients being sourced, and then also just um, that the facilities were, you know, um, holding up the dietary supplement standards for manufacturing. And then the last eight years of my career was really the height of my career. I was um, brought in as a senior executive on uh, the team for, and I was representing um, the quality side for director of quality and regulatory affairs and really became an authority figure on dietary supplement regulations and partnering with different industry leader groups and also had the privilege to lead 45 people in a couple different divisions within that that area. Both of my um, the companies I worked for only worked in the healthcare practitioner channel. So our supplements were not sold in the retail space and um, very specific, uh, very different philosophies, but both very great companies. And the last one I worked for was Orthomolecular Products. And their manufacturing site is in Stevens Point. Interesting. Um, that was kind of my, my career and my journey. So I, I've got, first of all, I, this is, this is a completely off the wall and, and probably funny question. Uh, how exactly do you figure out how much fat is in food? Like a cheesecake? Like how, I, I, I know you're laughing at me, but I'm like, I'm wildly interested by this. Like, how do you figure out? How do you create those labels and be like, yep, this has got X amount of fat, of grams of fat and grams of sugar. How, how does that work? Nutrition, like nutrition labeling regulations are complicated. So it is really interesting when you walk up to your Cheerios box and you see fat and fiber, there is a percent plus minus because everything's mm -hmm. got a little bit of a different aspect to it. Um, but the testing itself is old school testing, Soxlet, you think of the glasses and you're, you know, some experiment is happening, be, you know, behind um, glass and, and, and things like that. And it's just simple distillation, getting the fat out of the content and knowing the weights. It's a calculation. It is really interesting, but that's kind of the behind the scenes aspect, which was really my first step into regulation, right. but I didn't even know it at that time. I was actually just behind the the regulation of labeling. Right. That's, see, I find that, I find that, and this is the geek in me coming up, you know, I, but I find that completely and totally fascinating because you know, for me, I just want to go and eat everything in my kitchen. <laughs> but the reality is, is that it, of course we're all, for some reason, we all seem to want to eat all the fat items in our kitchen first and it's like okay yeah then I'll eat some vegetables but okay so then you go from you go from you know, as you progress in your career to actually being 
you know, very, you know, high up in in creating the regulations? Is, is that, am I understanding that? Or, or being part of a team that created some of those regulations? Um, really trying to interpret and understand the regulation okay. and apply it appropriately to the industry. And, okay. and regulation is really interesting. Ultimately in the US with FDA regulation, and I was very lucky, I was able to actually learn a lot about Canadian regulations, EU, Australia, which is the Therapeutic Goods Association. So I really was able to work with multiple different countries. And the US is really intriguing because dietary supplements in the US can be launched. So there can be a vitamin D, K2 product and everybody should be taking their vitamin D even in the summer. So mm -hmm. just take your vitamin D. Um, but in multiple other countries, it's very similar to a drug type of situation where you actually have to pre-register your dossier and get a licensing number before you launch a product for your consumer. Hmm. However, the FDA is a little bit opposite. They do post-market surveillance, meaning um, they're, they're, uh, they're really looking at kind of the after effects. Are there things that happen that they start to see trends with, or they'll come into facilities and inspect them and just make sure they're complying with the regulations. So almost look at it a little bit more trust, but they're very good at making sure that the cons their priority, their number one goal is consumer safety. That's it. So when we look at that, when you look at the complexity and the ability to apply different regulations in different countries, it is very, it's varied and um, kind of a vast arena. And that's why you have experts in different areas and right. you collaborate with other regulators. Interesting. So, okay. So that being said, um, what do you, is there a country that you would, that you think, well, this one's doing it better than the other? Or is it just different? It's just different. But what I will say is Australia, the European Union, Canada, the way that they monitor things really suppresses diversity for a business. So in the US, there is a lot more freedom to trial diverse type of products. Hmm. Um, not that they're unsafe, but be, because there's a so, such a specific regulation, if you have somebody that you have a limit of maybe your vitamin D IUs that you can have, and they need something more like a higher dosage or a higher amount, we, we have that ability to provide that to the general public, not necessarily, you know, um, through a doctor or something like that. Mm. Whereas a different country might actually look at that as more of a prescription level. Interesting. Not that it's not available, but it's just a different model in how you would obtain right. that type of, of information. And so I, I don't think anyone's better or different. I think some of them are less complicated than others. Right. Um, well, and when yeah. I think, when I think of the U S healthcare system, I, it's just ridiculously mm. complicated in every way, but we're talking about supplements that are not necessarily prescription. They're rather over the counter. 
Yes. I love that you say that because my, the last several years, um, my passion really has transformed from um, traditional medicine to functional medicine. So instead of being reactive, the U.S. healthcare system is extremely reactive. Mm-hmm. Very great. You you tear your ACL. You are very thankful. You can get that replacement, and we have surgeons, and we have an amazing healthcare system. Mm-hmm. But from a proactive approach. Doctors are spending five minutes with patients and all they want to know is what ails you and here's the fix. Here's the easy, quick fix. And rightfully so, a lot of people just want that. So it's training and transforming really the practice of medicine in people having um, a vested interest in their own health and being proactive with it, researching what they need because every single person is different. There is not a cookie cutter system. Right. And that is really an interesting aspect when you talk about how the healthcare system works and, and how it can align even with dietary supplements. For example, if somebody is taking a statin drug, that conversation doesn't talk about what your body's being depleted of, which would be your CoQ10. So your supplementation would be a dietary supplement of CoQ10 if you have to be on that pharmaceutical medication. Interesting. Um, and so it's really an interesting piece. And and I love what you just said that that the U.S. is they're reactive, 100% reactive. That and in order for us to be more on the you know the side of and last year um, last year I um, I. I decided for my personal health, I said, this is going to be the year of me taking care of myself. This is going to be the year where I go to a chiropractor, where I make sure that I have, you know, my mental health under control, which has been for a long time. But just, you know, again, it's just one of those things that put it on the list of things that I need to do for me when it comes to my own personal whole, whole well-being, right? And if you're not your own advocate, Doctors are not, and and I'm not I'm not trying to take a shot at doctors at all, because they're so overwhelmed and so overworked that unless you go in there and you say no, I need you to help me with this, you know. So last year I got a chiropractor. I went and got a CPAP. Nice. I thought I thought my husband was the one with sleep apnea, and, and it's not. He doesn't have it. I have it. And it was like, oh, this is eye-opening. <laughs> You're not keeping me awake. Right. I am. <laughs> right. Jeez. But it was very eye-opening when I finally was an advocate for myself and started saying, look, here's the problem. And I need you to not just brush me off. I need you to actually pay attention and listen to what I'm saying. Because there have been times where, you know, the doctor's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's because of this. Just take some allergy medication. Like, well, I can't breathe out of my nose at all. Take some allergy medication. You'll be fine. Okay, well, that's not fixing the problem. And then I ignore it. And I ignored it for five years. And it was like, okay, unless I go in and be my own advocate. And and that's that unfortunately is a symptom of the U.S. healthcare system is that they don't have time to sit down and like actually dig in. And if you if you are a person that, you know, Unfortunately, like what my husband and I just went through, he got a new job. I just stepped into entrepreneurship. So his insurance changed and now I have to change all my doctors. 
because yes. his insurance doesn't. So now all of the history that I have with this doctor on all of my background, I now have to go and talk to a new doctor and be like, well, I have had this and I've had this and I've had this. They don't have time to sit and go through my entire history. So when I bring up, oh, I've got you know a problem with my ear, that's the same problem I've had for 10 years. They just assume it's an immediate problem. Yeah. And they don't look at the 10 years of the exact same issue that could be a part of a bigger issue, right? Yeah. And it, it is it's so amazing you're going through that journey. Right. It's you have to be an advocate for yourself and you have to be unfortunately you have to be the squeaky wheel. Yes. Yes, and, I agree. I agree and one not to step in, but the right. I loved what you said about M, you know, MDs. These people are highly intelligent. They go into this field to care for people. Right. And they spend a lot of money, time, effort. They're dedicated. And it's incredible to me that in their four, six, eight years of studies and internships and all every residencies and everything they have to do, they get less than a week of training on nutrition. Less than a week. That's out of all that stuff. They can cure all these things. And they, they're, they're so, but they don't have that. And when they get into actual practice, it's a numbers game. That's how they're paid. They're paid by pharmaceutical drugs, right? right? That is how they make money, making money in a private practice and spending an hour and a half with somebody doesn't make them money unless they're dedicated to functional medicine, right? Or, or that's, they're transitioning that practice, but our healthcare system is based on everyone getting paid through insurance. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting from an HR perspective, my team, 45 people, all different age brackets. What I found so alarming in the last several years is when I would have students come out of college, come into my laboratory They're still under their parents' insurance till they're 25, 26. And all of a sudden they got to pay for a high deductible plan. And they're like, well, this thing's terrible. And I'm like, well, (laughs) you have to educate yourself. Right. And you know what? What is interesting, I have known nothing but corporate. I had to turn 47 years old to figure out I could actually advocate for my own health care (laughs) plan. And what made sense for us. So being able to learn from other small business partners to say, Rachel, what are you, what are you and Jason going to do for your employees? And I said, I want to empower them to have the ability to create a concierge kind of benefit plan. Corporate benefits is great. Fine. However you look at it, but I cannot believe the amount of money I was spending and never using it. Mm-hmm. I actually would pay more money because I was going to my functional medicine doctor. So then I didn't even cover that, right? So I, I just sat there. I'm like, why do I even have this insurance? Like, why why am I paying all this money for this when I could have had a whole different plan? What I found is when the younger population um, it steps into corporate. And for me, I didn't know anything else. You always got your insurance from where you worked. And this is how it is because that's your benefits. That's what they offer. You take the benefits, right? Right. right. And 
now being able to empower and have conversations to say, there's a lot of options for you. Mm -hmm. This might not be the right option. You're single, you're, or whatever it might be. Right. You may want to look at this direct primary care. That's only going to cost you 59 bucks a month. And it is really going to cover everything you need right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, and maybe you want to add this in if there's something major that would happen, but it's still only $300 a month, right? right? And versus $1,500 in eye care and dental care. And like, it, you know, um, so what I have found from an HR perspective is that whole conversation about benefits is very different. And it was super eye-opening to me when I walked away and I had to be my own advocate and figure out what was right for us. So, so speaking of that, let's, let's shift this conversation. So you have this, you know, you have years and years in corporate America, um, years of, of an amazing background of, um, Thank of, you. Uh, yes, and a- absolutely. And unclearly in a background that really, really has, I guess, paved the way for the business that you are now launching this this summer, correct? This summer. This summer. Yes. So what was it? What was the trigger in your head? What was the moment when you went, this is what we, this is what I'm going to do. Um, it, you and your husband made this decision together. Is that, is that right? Or was it one of absolutely. you that went, then, then, uh, you know, <laughs> that is, is absolutely amazing. So tell me about your business. Tell me about the journey to deciding and making that decision to open up your own business. I love this because what I have found in meeting so many amazing people in the last six, seven months, transitioning my life, my day from corporate into a small business owner, I have learned an immense amount of information. But what I have found really interesting is the parallel backgrounds of people that either transition from corporate to entrepreneurship. For us, my husband actually um, was a Hawkeye, uh, electrical engineer, worked for Rockwell Collins for about a year and a half and decided that was not for him. So he worked um, for ACT, the college testing company, as an IT procurement um, manager for 20 some years. And eventually I started to see this shift in him of slowly kind of dying. Corporate was killing the poor guy. So his passion is mountain biking. He's a long distance mountain biker. He's done many, many different um, events, several Leadville 100 mountain biking events at the highest elevation. There's no oxygen up there. I don't know. These guys, these people are insane, but they, they do it and they love it. So he's always had a passion. He's always worked part-time at a bike shop. So he actually switched um, based on my career and where we were at, we were able to sit, just say, why don't you stop, step away from corporate? And he started working for the bicycle doctor in Dowsman and had, loves it, just loves it. That's so, great. That's, that's, you yeah. know, when you get to a point where you just, and okay, I was watching a, a comedy show yesterday and I, and I'll, I'll be brief, but I was watching a comedy show yesterday and a guy gets on stage and he starts cracking a jokes about how he's works at, um, at Olive Garden. And you know, oh, I would never date anybody who works at Olive Garden. Oh, did I mention I work at Olive Garden? And he's going on about, 
and and then as he rolls up his set, he goes, you know, um, so I left my my career at Olive Garden and now I'm a chemist. And, you know, at the end, they do this interview of him and they're like, wait a second, how do you go from being a server at Olive Garden to being a chemist? And he goes, well, I have my degree in biology and, and chemistry and blah, blah, blah. I love when people when people, you know, highly brilliant people make the choice and accept because it it just goes to show that there is no job out there that anybody should be ashamed of that right. there is there it all depends on the person my girlfriend yes. and, and and I I promise this because the guy he wasn't he wasn't embarrassed that he worked at Olive Garden he was pretending in this comedy show but he was a wildly brilliant human being with a mm -hmm. with a bachelor's degree that chose for most of his life to be a server instead of be a chemist. Yeah. And that and that to me speaks volumes to yes. people's per yeah, I went to school. It was interesting. Now, why did you decide to now go back into, you know, your field of study? Well, because I decided I wanted my nights and, you know, weekends to myself again. So I just decided to become a chemist. Well, you don't just decide to become a chemist. You have to be really intelligent. Yeah. And it it's it shows that when somebody corporate America, you know, I got burned out. I'm just going to go and work at a bike shop. Great. Yeah. Is if that's your passion. And I think everybody should be able to follow their passion. Again, my girlfriend always jokes. She's like, "Oh, I'm just a server." And I'm like, "You're not just a server." And you know what? You don't you make a ton of money. Like yeah. you, yeah. you make bank. So don't tell me that you're just a server. People come in and they pay her a, a ton of money in tips because yeah. she's really good at the art of what she does. Serving people. Serving mm -hmm. people. That, mm -hmm. that is, there are, that is, there is an art in that. Yes. It doesn't matter what people do for a living. It matters if they have passion for what they do for a living, because no matter what it is, if you're really, really good at your skill, you're really good and passionate about what you do, you can, you can become the master at that and people will notice. Absolutely. It is really interesting. I'm going to borrow a statistic from Sarah Deacon, um, and she had mentioned the other day that research has showed 73% of people that graduate from college never work in their field. Correct. In their area of study. That's correct. I was floored by that statistic. And yet I'm like that. I don't know why that surprises me. And the, that's absolutely true. The only reason that that number is not 100% is because we're taking into account doctors, accountants, engineers. And you have to go to school to become those. And usually if you're going to go the long haul to be a doctor and go to school for that, you're going to be a doctor or yeah. an engineer or an accountant. Yeah. So if you eliminated the doctors, the engineers, the accountants from that equation, you would probably have that number be 95%. Yeah. Because yeah. any other, I mean... I suppose I went to school for, you know, I got my bachelor's degree in business with an emphasis in human resources. 
human resource management. I'm not in corporate HR. That's what that degree was supposed to set me up for. Mm-hmm. I, I spent very little time in corporate HR. I wanted to blow my head off. It was, nobody <laughs> liked me. Everybody hated me. And and yeah. given I entered into that, you know, corporate HR in 2006, yeah. of course nobody was going to like me because the whole world was shutting down and I was part of, you know, helping lay everybody off. And then I was right. getting laid off. No, of course nobody liked me. But the you're right. I mean, yeah. Well, and that's no different than me getting a biology chemistry. I actually wanted to be a vet mad all, you know, how life transitions. So get the degree and who knew uh, that I would be in the field that I was. And, you know, it's interesting because we talk about kind of preemptively my husband transitioning. And that's when it kind of dawned on me as much as I was at the height of my career, one of two women on the executive team. I was working 16 hour days, traveling all the time. And during that transition, 2019, 2020, things just changed. Things changed. So I made the decision to go to UW-Whitewater and start getting my MBA online. And I loved it. Loved it. And that's when the spark happened about two things. One, we need an exit strategy because I can't keep this up. I'm never home. I'm missing 50% of my son and my husband's life. And I love them both. And I like them. They're cool people. So I want to be with them. Um, We needed to figure something out. We didn't know what that vision was, but I knew it had to be something where we had the control to do it. And so that's really what occurred in the last couple of years. And in that, I was able to really go through a major health journey, just like you, functional medicine, lost 55 pounds, found my passion again for working out in different types of ways to move and be fit and Cairo and massage and other therapies and mental, spiritual, all that thing that really put me in a place to have clarity that what we wanted to do was something with health and wellness, because I want to care about people. Dietary supplements transform the practice of medicine, it's health, it's wellness, it's having that power to, you know, make sure you're getting the nutrients that you need. I really felt in the health and wellness industry is where we needed to be in when we started to present options to each other and bounce ideas off, cycling kept coming up. And so we are members at Cycle Bar in Lake Country. Natalie Ricks owns that studio and she's amazing. She has an amazing community. Love the look, the feel, the energy of everything that that type of exercise does. But I do hot yoga. I do pure bar. I do CrossFit. I do, you know, all these other things. And then we began the conversation. Rumble Boxing is a franchise. And it is under the same franchise um, umbrella as Exponential is the franchise group. But a lot of people will be familiar with Cycle Bar, Pure Bar, Club Pilates, Yoga Six, Row House. Rumble is kind of the newest concept that just, it's it started in 2017, but launched as an actual boutique fitness studio at the beginning of last year. Okay. And so it's absolutely new um, in that 
was the vision for us. I'm like, that's it. When I started talking to Nat, she's like, Rumble, so awesome. People are going to love it here. We have nothing like this in the Midwest. So tell me and explain to the best of your ability, (laughs) what is this? So Rumble Boxing is a boxing-inspired workout, 45-minute group fitness classes. And it's not an open gym. So it really is a community of people coming together. We can host 48 people in one class at a time. And there's two different uh, sides of the workout. So 50% of your workout is doing boxing punches, classic boxing punches, boxer sit-ups, and you're hitting a water-filled punching bag. It's 190 pounds. It's very gentle on your joints, but you still have traditional wraps. You still have traditional gloves. And then the other 50% of your workout is custom benches and weights and knuckles for your strength training and your HIIT training. And what we do in that 45 minutes is our trainer is going to go through the fundamentals in the beginning, but then we have three minute rounds where you're doing a specific either set of punchy uh, routine or your, your strength training. And then you will swap sides three rounds in. So you even out your workout. So when you go to sign up, you're going to go to your app, um, a beautiful, beautiful app. And you're going to be like, I want to start on bag 17 today. And so that's where you'll start your workout. Um, So our studio The traditional aspect will have about 30 classes offered a week, um, mostly kind of those classic timeframes, early morning, um, maybe at the noon hour, and then your evening classes as well. So um, we'll have, uh, you know, just it's a it's a it's a boxing inspired workout in a studio. And the concept really is like when you walk into our studio, it's like walking into a New York nightclub. That's all- high energy, lots of lights. I just, music. I just feel like for somebody like me, that would be like the perfect. Like I don't feel like I'm working out. I feel like I'm going to release all of the stress and anger. Mm-hmm. I don't, not really anger, but like all of the stress and frustrations of you know my my five year old who never stops talking. You know, I'll be trying to do something. I'll try to make a phone call and she's just never, never stops. <laughs> that frustration of, oh my gosh, can you just stop talking for two minutes? You know, she's at that age where it's just like nonstop in the house where things are exploding. My dog is chewing something up and it feels like I'd be able to go into this place and just be like, all right, I'm just going to beat all of that stress out of, you know, out of me and get a really solid workout in and then be able to go home and finally relax. And at the same time, know that I'm, I'm working all of my body, right? I mean, this sounds like it's a full blown physical body. Wonderful. Yes. And you're spot on all levels can do this workout. And what I love about rumble, I used to in the ring box just as training, right? Not, not, I didn't, wasn't competitive, but that, any workout you think about, um, no matter where it is to step in, in that door can be intimidating a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And it's so nice when you can walk in and you have a community of people that are all there just to enjoy that 45 minutes, right? They either stepped away from their job, they're, you know, the kids are dropped off and they, they, that's their time. Our job as owners and our studio, what we, an extension of us is our values, which is I'm not necessarily selling memberships. I am selling an experience. I'm selling a safe place for people to come no matter where they are in their fitness journey, Mm -hmm. no matter what's happening in their day. Um, We are going to be there to look them in the eye and let them know that they matter and that whatever happens in their workout that day is just fine. If they just sit under that punching bag and just sit and drink water, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Do what you want to do that day. If you feel like you're just super full of energy and and you come on and you're just dripping sweat and had an amazing, that's great, you know, and not every day is going to be the same, but providing a community and um, a place for people to put their phones away for 45 minutes, be part of a group. And honestly, nobody's watching each other. (laughs) Everybody's focused on what makes sense to them. And that's what's really important to Jason and I, because as we open our Brookfield location, our plan and what we're committed to is actually opening two more studios in the area. So we want to make sure that that experience somebody has the first time, the 50th time, the 200th time, they feel the energy, they feel that warm hug when they come into that studio that is what is really important to us. So you hired your first employee, correct? Super close. Okay. Yes. So- we're in the middle of we're in the middle of interviewing right now. So this is okay. great. And this is our most critical hire. So and and what position is this is this for? Is this for a trainer? Is this for Right. This is for our general manager. So this is our, our direct extension of us as owners and, you know, what that general manager will be doing. We will partner to hire our sales associates and um, our trainers and everything. But this position also is something that's long-term somebody who can help us grow our, our team, our staff and see something in people and say, they're really engaged. They really love this. They want to learn. They want, I think they might be a great trainer. Let's, let's get them certified for personal training and can see that to help us grow within our team Mm -hmm. so that when we open the second studio, somebody might be ready to be an assistant GM, right? Somebody might be ready to take some of those leadership paths and then also have that same ability to grow and lead a team and inspire a team as well. Um, So what has been really intriguing, we've used classic, you know, we have everything else, job description, classic pathway, post everything. But one of, out of the candidates that we have, there is only one that really has applied independently. How I have been introduced to the best candidates that we have at this point, one approached us directly and was a great, is a great candidate. And two have been referrals from other small business owners. Mm -hmm. 
And that is a new way. And what I like about that is those business owners know me. They know Jason. They know the type of character and the person that we're looking for. I just don't want somebody that can sell stuff or has been part of a gym or anything like that. I, I'm really looking for somebody who can grow, um, that we connect with, that there's that trust and respect and, and we know our role and we want them to shine in their role. And it is different nowadays because it is more about character. I, I don't really care where somebody went to school I look at resumes very differently. It takes me 20 seconds to look at a resume to see if I'm engaged. And usually I'll go to their extracurricular activities. What do they care about? Because that shows who they are. Mm-hmm. And I really like to look. And then it's the conversation about really understanding their character. Right. I think that way too many businesses put too much stock in a resume. Um, a resume is a sheet of paper that somebody wrote up and um it it you cannot judge somebody based on a sheet of paper um yeah. anymore um yeah. i i think that i think that too many companies will look at a resume and automatically say yep i'm not going to meet with this person um based on the skills that they say that they have um i think that we need to stop hiring based on skills we need to start hiring based on character and um, personalities and, um, all of that. And then train on skill. It's, it, it, I'm sorry, either you are going to fit into the culture of an organization or you're not, and you need to hire based on whether or not that person's going to fit into the values, the goals, the, and then if you have a great person who's going to fit your organization, you can train on skill. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that way too many corporate America, businesses are trained or are are hiring on skill and then thinking that they can make that person fit into their culture and the small the small businesses like you um that are just starting up kind of have the upper hand when it comes to getting those great referrals where where unfortunately they struggle is matching those high bloated salaries in that corporate America world or those rich, huge benefit plans or the four weeks of vacation and all of those other benefits. However, a business like yours, you haven't created the culture yet. You are the culture. So you get to pick and choose who's aligned with you and your husband, who is going to align with your values And that's going to determine from this point on, if that person comes in and is aligned with your values, it's going to begin building the culture that you create at your business. And you're going to have to make sure that you're continuing to monitor that and hone in on that and really keep your, um, you know, keep an active, be actively intentional to create and, and monitor that so that as you grow, as you open it up or up another branch, that that branch also has that happy, positive, you know, culture. And that's where, um, again, the smaller companies, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not advocating, there are people who love corporate America, um, that they love, they love, you know, everything I'm, I've been in corporate America. <laughs> um, 
But that's where right now you, you know, you've got the entire world, you know, for the taking because you you're just at the threshold of beginning all of it. And as long as you do it right the first time, you're not going to be in the boat that half of America's in when they're saying, oh, gosh, we have a really shitty culture. Nobody wants to work here. Yeah. And fixing yeah. it is horrible. Mm-hmm. Creating it right won't necessarily, it's, I shouldn't say it's easy, but hell of a lot easier than fixing it when it's wrong. Exactly. So. And that is, you are spot on with that. You know, I've got, a, when I was in corporate, a few of the last people that I hired, I really did something that was like totally against like the mold. So you think of quality department, four-year degree, they have to be, you know, that has to happen. And I finally got to a point and I'm like, you know, hiring some of these people and they're not all what they're cracked up to be. And if that's my first criteria, I'm failing because I'm giving up these 10 other resumes that I could have just had a conversation with. And if they're diligent, hardworking, willing to learn, those values align more than some of these people just because they don't have a degree doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. So last of our, of the couple hires did not fall in that mold. And I, I really had to fight for that from an executive outlook. And they're like, you're, it's on you if it doesn't work out. And let me tell you, those worked out beautifully mm-hmm. compared to a couple of the other aspects. So I think I I love that. It's the character. It's the value. And we were talking, you know, with our values, we, you have to reiterate them. You have to live by them. We have to show up on time. We have to motivate. We have to listen to our employees and find out why, while they're engaged, how do we keep them engaged, right? Gallup and all this, you know, how do we keep those highly engaged because they're excited to be there. But me giving them a month free workouts isn't, they're like, I can work out here anytime. Right. <laughs> or maybe they want a gas card. Maybe they just want some clothes because we got access to all these amazing vendors, Lululemon, and they just want fun stuff, right? right. But listening to them because every one of them is going to have a different motivational factor that is a benefit in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And I get that opportunity. I feel very, very lucky to have that opportunity as a small business owner to do that. Right. Right. There's not all this extra stuff and we can really customize what makes sense for you as an employee, because we want to take care of you. If You're showing up, you're diligent and you're, you're really taking care of our customers. We want to reward you for that. Well, and you already, you've already hit it on the head. Um, not by anything that any offering that you said all you all you said that was perfect was listening to what the employee wants simple as that if one employee says i don't care about gas card but i would really love fifty dollars to lululemon okay that's easy enough if your next employee says well man i'm driving all the way from you know watertown to brookfield gas card would be awesome yeah i mean Okay. Sure. <laughs> Easy stuff. I mean, we right. have all that access. It was interesting. Um, in in one of the conversations, I really shocked one of the people um that I was having a conversation with because 
they're like, well, you know, this is membership based. So that's going to be really critical. And I said, what's critical is our culture and our values in the community we're creating. We are going to have some people that are not desirable in our studio. Mm -hmm. A, maybe they're telling jokes that are inappropriate and making people uncomfortable. Maybe they're spitting all over our floor. I don't know, whatever it might be. But I said, what I can tell you is we're not, we know how to have the conversation to ask them to go to a different place in a different community. I would rather them not be in my community because I'm going to gain five more people versus lose 10 because of this one. Right. And, and, and that is not who we are. That is really important. They just were floored. Well, that's really interesting. And I'm like, you don't take care of that in the moment. You, you let us know, and we together side by side right. are going to make sure that we follow through with that because it's important that our team is taken care of first of all, but then that community as well. So if there is somebody, something occurs and it is some, however offensive, whatever it might be, um, or they're just not, they, they skip classes every week, you know, I mean, something like that, you know, right. there's spots being taken up. And I said, that's where we come in. We're very, at, we're there, but we're not there to step on your toes, but we're always there. Right. We will meet regularly. We will make sure that we're always talking about how are our values doing? How's everybody doing? What does everyone need? And then are we meeting everyone's expectations from both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that conversation is those stay conversations. You have to have them all the time, very regularly. You can't just have one once a year. I love, oh, we do an annual review or whatever it might be. It's like, you got to be talking to people all the time. Right. And Rachel, you hit it on the head. We are coming to time, but I want to just say something really quick. The stay conversation that you just mentioned, if more employers were figured this out sooner, um, having stay conversations with employees, having even just sitting down with them saying, hey, we really love you as an employee. We value you. Um, More people would stay at their current employer and stop moving around. So for a brand new business owner, somebody who hasn't even opened up their first location, it sounds like you are way ahead of so many other companies out there. So I'm really excited to see what comes from you, you know, in the future and and excited to see your, um, you know, your gym. Would it be a gym a community? Well, it is. It I'm is. excited to see it open. Studio. Yes. Yes. Thank you. But Thank you so much. Yes. I, I have the question of the season that I want to get to really okay. quick. Um, this may not apply because, you know, you're so new in, in what you're doing, but what would you change about your job or the practice that people have in your role, in your mm-hmm. you know job, in your job role, if you could? Right. Being a very new owner, small business owner, president, and understanding what that might mean. Um, the practices in, in my role that I am definitely learning is the networking practice. And it is very important. And I know there are seasons within the business when we start construction or grand opening, I'm not going to be able to make those connections, but those connections have really changed who I am and is developing who 
I'm going to be as a leader in that small business world. And I don't know that I was, ne- you know, necessarily change anything at this point, but just recognize that that has to be added into your, your suite of time. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is um, making sure you set that time aside. My husband told me the most hilarious thing about a week ago, two weeks ago, and I came home and I was like, wow, that was a really long, crazy day. Loved it. There was so much to tell him. But he looked at me and he's like, I just want to say this, you know, you're the one that makes your own schedule. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I just started laughing. I'm like, you're totally right. Um, yeah. Okay. But it's so rewarding. Um, and I just, I've learned so much, but that would be my, my tip is connecting. I know it's, it takes energy. It takes time. And it takes coordination, but you know, it is really. It, it's hilarious that, you know, we as entrepreneurs think, hey, I'm going to become an entrepreneur so that I can have more time to myself, which <laughs> never is what happens. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden you enjoy, you know, diving in. And, and there are times where I actually am like, I can't wait to get back to my desk. And I'm like, <laughs> the hell is wrong with Did me? Did that just <laughs> <this> happen? <laughs> Um, Rachel, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, um, get in touch with you or, um, you know, do you have a website for rumble yet that they can, people can start, you know, checking out or when it goes live, that kind of stuff, how could people go ahead and get in touch with you? Awesome. So me personally, my LinkedIn or my Facebook, um, page is a great way to reach out to me. Our rumble boxing Brookfield sites are live. We already have members. We have members. So our founding membership is out there. Um, we have our Facebook and Instagram, which is, um, at rumble boxing Brookfield. Great way to go check us out. See what it's like. We're posting. There's some personal posts on there too. So just making sure to take a look at that. And our website is live. So anything um, that you might have questions on just about the workout, what it might feel like. Um, and those emails, if you want to email through that uh, website as well, that's a great way to reach out to us. But everything is live. We're all set to go. And have really enjoyed everyone that has reached out to us so far. Awesome. Thank you again. This has been just a very educational um, conversation. And I've really enjoyed uh, talking with you today. Oh, thank you so much for hosting me. And I look forward to um, having more conversations with you in the future. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.